0: and welcome to the South Podcast. We're glad you're here. Listen now to our surf pastor, Dr. Elliot Higgins. We're continuing in a series that Dr. Moore, our senior pastor, began some time ago in Romans, and we're picking up where we left off last week even. But I have a question for you. Have you ever sent a text message or an email, uh, just a one-way message, and you thought it was very simple, very easy to understand, and the receiver, the other end, completely misunderstood everything you were trying to say. Things went sideways real fast. They took it out of context. Things just blew up. You sent a text message, hey, when will this be ready? And they send back, do you think I'm not doing my job? You think I'm lazy? Well, no, I, I'm not. I was just wondering when this thing was going to be ready, that's all. They're like, well, this is the middle of our busy season, don't you know? Well, yes, I, that's great. You're a great person. You're doing a good job. I know it's a bit old, busy season, but I just asked the question, when will this be ready? Well, what you're being is impatient. No, 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 I'm really not being impatient. I, I promise, I was just asking the question, for the love of Pete and all that is good, when will it be ready? Oh, so you've talked to Pete, the manager, have you? No, Pete, is a, this should have been a phone call or face-to-face. This thing has been sidetracked. Have you ever had a text message or an email just go sideways where you thought it was clear, but somebody took it the wrong way? So what we see in the passage here is something where Paul is working to counterbalance that. So he has just made, we're going to reread this particular verse from last week, but he has made a bold profound statement that is one of the most profound things in all of human history and it is one of the single most important statements that we can apply in our life and so he makes this statement but because he's writing in a letter the book of Romans is a letter written to the believers in Rome Paul knows that this can be hijacked And if this statement is one of the most important and profound things in all of human history, he's going to try to attack it. So you're going to see him figure out how can this be misunderstood. So he makes this statement, and then he he argues with it. Some people may take it this way, and then he, he kind of does a rebuttal, and he says, here's what you may be thinking, but here's the truth, and here's scripture. And he says, and others may be thinking this, and here's the truth, and here's scripture. And some people may think this, and here's the truth, and here's scripture. So he's laying out these different things, really propping this up so that we do not misunderstand what he's trying to communicate it is a one-way conversation and we can't talk to him The, the people here they can't just say oh I have this question they can't recognize the tone of voice they can't see his facial expression so he is making abundantly clear this truth he doesn't want it hijacked so that's where we come today now what we're going to do is, is I'm going to read that statement, it's something that we read last week, just one verse, and then we're going to look into this, I used the term argument loosely, but where he is building out the case supporting this. So what we will see is each one of these three things he's doing, that first one, he is making the statement and then he reveals God's process. So he is saying, here is the truth, here's that true statement, and God is at work in this way, always, to accomplish this. So we may be looking around and saying, well, I don't know that I believe this because I don't see it working. He's saying, well, let me be very clear, here is how God does this. Now, then he continues and he says, not only is this God's process, but this is God's power. This same power is what he does to make that happen. And it's the same power that you are going to be able to leave here with. He is literally going to put this in your hands and you're going to be able to leave with the full power of God. He gives us that. Then he reminds us of the faithfulness and the persistence of God to make this happen. So these three things. So what is it that he's trying to say? Before I read that statement, the concept that he is wanting to communicate and the reason why we're here today, God, through Paul's writing here, God is communicating that he has a desire for a personal relationship with every single one of you every one of us. His design is that we have his wisdom, his peace, his insight, his power, his grace, his mercy, all of this stuff pouring out on us. So when we face the world that we have and all of the uncertainties, all of the challenges, all of the fears and anxiety that we brought into this room, God is saying, I have designed all of this to send you forth with my victory, with my presence. That is my design. So look with me, if you will. We'll see that first verse in Romans chapter 10. We're going to be in verse 14, but I'm going to back up one verse. This verse right before this is that massive declaration that he makes. So Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, he says, for whoever, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Massive truth. Massive declaration. Something that you can take with you wherever you go. That we are assured of our salvation, but not only just that of salvation, but the fact that when we call on the Lord, he is drawing near. He is working through every instance, every detail of our life, every challenge, everything, whether in the workplace, at the home life, anywhere in between. All of that fear and anxiety and challenges, when we call out to him, he is, he is, his design is to rescue, to be there with us, walk through it. It may or may not turn out the way we think it will, but God is always faithful when we call on him to come, to save. So that tells us this profound statement that God's design for your life, your very destiny, that when you enter into the the walk of life, wherever you go from here, whatever's next, whatever next chapter in your life may be, God is promising that when you call on him in the middle of that, you will be saved. God is coming into that moment too. His desire is to bring his power and that grace and that purpose to create you and shape you into all that he has for you, that nothing be wasted. So whatever you're you're touching in your life, all of those challenges, God is there. That's his desire. So there's that huge statement that God is saying, I'm going to be there. You call on me, I will be there. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the statement one way. But what he does in this next part is he begins to argue with that. If God says that if you call on my name, you will be saved, I will be present, I'm coming, the full might and strength of my right arm is coming to your rescue, there may be somebody who gets this confused. So he begins to argue with it in verse 14. So let's read that. How then will they call? So he's saying, we need to call. He says, well, how is it that we call on him whom they have not believed? So if I don't believe in Jesus, I obviously don't call on him. So therefore, if you're saying, if I call on him, but I don't really believe in him, but I don't believe in him because, he says, and how are they to believe of whom they have never heard? I don't believe in Jesus because I have never heard about him. I've never heard what he is doing. I don't hear the gospel. I don't hear that he is really moving in the lives of those around me. And the reason I don't hear it is because it says, how are they to hear without someone preaching? Preaching in this term, obviously there's a context of where you have a pulpit like what we're doing here. But that word preaching does not exclude what you do when you go out into the world. That you are able to speak the truth, literally God's word, what God has done in your life. You just share that with people around you. That is sharing that, that preaching. I don't see or hear God moving around me, so I can't believe in him, so I don't call on him, because I'm not hearing it. I'm not seeing God do things around me. Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? God certainly feels to some as though he is hiding. I don't really see God around me. It seems like he does a great job not revealing himself. I don't ever see any of the byproduct of that. I don't hear of how he's changing people's lives like what you see in Scripture. He's not really at work now like he might have been at one point. It's a bunch of fairy tales. So nobody has sent. He has not sent someone with that truth to me. Therefore, I cannot call on him because I don't see God moving. Nobody's sent to me. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul is now starting to quote scripture. He's saying that God makes this declaration, if you call on me, you will be saved. The full strength and might of God is right there in your life, in every detail. But he's saying somebody may say, well, I don't see that. I don't see that God's moving around me. I don't hear those stories. I hear a little bit of the word here, but I'm not sure that I believe that at the end of the day. And so he's saying the reason why you think this, if you're going back, he is, he is reverse engineering the process God is doing to bring that into their ears. And he says this in verse 16, they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So now he's rebutting that. We're going to work through this in a second. But he's saying the prophet Isaiah, he came to the people of Israel as an example here. And he was saying that God is doing this. God is at work. Here is the word of God. And he is speaking it. And he says, even in the days where they or hearing the word of God, they are able to understand that it is the word of God, they still reject it. The reason why you cannot say, well, I don't believe in it because nobody's told me about it and and nobody's told me about it because God really doesn't want to reveal himself. He says, you cannot say that. He has been revealing himself even back into the prophets that you know and yet you've still rejected. Now let's look at this process. We recognize this is our first point here in this. The first thing that we see is that God is involved in every detail of salvation. When we call on Him and are saved, God is literally involved in every single detail. This is his desire, is that we have a close walk with him, that we know him, we see him. We have that personal relationship. He doesn't want to be removed from us and aloof. He has this design. And so how does he do it? Look backwards on how this is working. He sent these people. He is sending them. That's the first step that God is doing. He sends people with this message there. Now, this is encouraging for you and I. First of all, we recognize that God, his design has been for you to know him that he has literally been sending people for all the generations through all of the challenges and struggles and famines and wars and family struggles, all of this for thousands of years for this to reach your ears. That when God set this in motion, his intention was to continually work and navigate all of the aspects of humanity to bring this to you. 2,000 years ago and beyond, he was working toward you. He was sending people who reached someone, who reached someone, who reached someone with his design to reveal himself to you. On the other side of that coin, it's encouraging because you have to recognize that God sends you. You are sent yourself. God has changed your life as a believer, and now we are sent, meaning that you may not think that you have much impact in this world. You, have go to, you go to work, you come home, things seem to be a routine, but you have no understanding of how far God is going to make your life impact. For thousands of years, this word has been passed on from one person to the next to the next to the next for you. And who knows how many generations your voice will carry. God has a unique way of using people to accomplish his purpose. He sends them. He sends them with words in their mouth. He's preaching. They are sharing his word. He's given you that. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have an education. You just repeat what God has sent you to say. And that's about his word. And people are able to hear. They are sent to preach for others to hear. Now that they've heard it, they have the choice where they can believe. When they hear, hey, God says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, they hear that in your voice, in the voice of others through this, and now they have a chance to believe it. Through this belief, they call out, say, I've heard that, and I'm going to choose to believe it And I'm going to cling to this promise of God. God is at work in every detail of salvation. It gives us confidence because we see that he is at work for generations of people to secure your salvation through Jesus but he is also at work through your life and you may interact with somebody down the road and you have no idea where this simple little message will go. God has a way of handling all of those details. We just be faithful. God is involved in every detail of salvation. So we're seeing God's process, how he's sending, he is giving a message, he's allowing people to respond through belief and now they can call, they can cling to that and know it for themselves. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, but they say, but I've never heard. I can't believe. I've never heard. This doesn't happen. He says, that's not true. You have heard. So then he continues to this next point, And he begins to reveal something to us here. He is revealing the power of God. He's just shown us God's process. He's at work in every detail. But now it's the power of God. God is making this statement everyone who calls in the name of the Lord he's saying here's my process for making that happen but now here's the power in which this goes forward and I mentioned today that you will have access to this very power when you leave today you will carry it with you out the doors the full might and strength of God will be yours. That's what Paul is saying in this next part. How does God go about doing this? How is it that I call in the name of the Lord and I am saved? How does this come about? Well, it comes about through faith. I believe and I cling to him. Let's read this verse. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That word faith, I like to put it like this. It's the hands in which I can hang on to the promise of God. God makes a declaration like this, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And through faith, I'm hanging on to that. I don't know how that works fully. I don't know how God's going to work this out. But I am hanging on that promise and I'm not going anywhere. God said it, I'm going to hang on to it and see what happens. That's the hands of faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, by the word of God. So you may have come here today and you say, how does this impact me when I walk out into the real world? When I go into my office tomorrow, when I go home to my family and all of the challenges and the drama there, when I get that phone call later this afternoon about something that I didn't want to hear about, how does this impact me? How is it that this works? What Paul is doing is he's giving us the process of God that he is working this out for thousands of years, giving us that that strength. But now he is giving us that that strength through God's power to trust in that, to cling to it. How is it, Elliot, that I have faith? I want to build that faith and know that God is going to work in my life. I don't know how to navigate this fear, this challenge that's in my life, this anxiety that I've brought here today. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what to do next. I I feel lonely. I feel hopeless. I feel depressed. I have all of this. I just want faith in God to know that when I call on him, he will draw near to me and rescue me from this. How do I do it? Well, here's what Paul says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. It leads to our second point. We're seeing the power is in God's word. Our second point, I simply wrote, don't underestimate the power of God's word. Paul is showing how this process of God has been working for thousands of years to bring us that great news that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. For thousands of years, testimony after testimony after testimony have been declaring this truth. We now have the power, the full power of God to cling to this through the word of God. Don't underestimate the power of his word. Let me share this with you. Some years ago, early in my ministry, I had a hobby that I I made some friends that that moved in this hobby. I'm not sharing the details because I don't want to embarrass this individual, but he was one who was kind of an alpha male individual. You know what I'm talking about. Very aggressive, assertive. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to get. And so we developed a friendship because of this particular hobby. And he began asking me, he says, Elliot, he says, you seem like you've got everything figured out. I'm like, great, I guess. I don't know how you figured that out in 10 minutes, but fantastic. He says, what do you do for a living? And I thought, man, I hate that question because I don't know where this is gonna go. I don't even know how, where you stand on this. I'm, I'm feeling you out, but this could go sideways. Well, sure enough, it does. I say, hey, I'm one of the pastors over at South Cliff, you know, and, and that's what I've been doing, and he says, oh man, I hate organized religion. I can't stand church people and all those preachers trying to throw the Bible down your throat. And I said, this is why I hate that question? Of what I do. I need to do something else, I guess. I don't know. But I was sitting there thinking, man, this is a mess. This was a train wreck. And so I told him when he was finished with his rant about how he does not like Christians or anything to do with it, I said, fine. You asked the question, I answered it. And in fact, I didn't even invite you to church. So he looked at me and he says, you know what? You're exactly right. I misspoke. I was too, too out there, you were, you were polite, you answered the question, I'm in the wrong. But we started a relationship, kind of on a weird footing, but we had a relationship. Six months later, we were having lunch together, and he says, man, I've been reading the Bible. I'm like, you? Organized religion? I'm all ears. This ought to be interesting. And he has all these questions that he begins to pour out, I mean, stuff that I'm like, let me get back to you. This is the most obscure passage that you're asking. And so we began that friendship, and it went on another six months later, he sent me an email on Facebook Messenger, and he said, Hey, after all of the reading that I've done, I have decided that there are more than one way to get to heaven. Jesus is just one. There's a whole bunch of others. It's whatever you want to believe. And so I responded. I had three points. I had the first two I I crafted. I wove together like our hobby and common interests and all this stuff. I mean, it was so beautiful. Somebody's going to make a movie about it if I ever remember what I wrote. But these two points were so amazing, I thought. And in the third point, I literally just wrote a verse of scripture. And it was, Jesus says, I am the, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's it. So if you truly believe that Jesus is a way to heaven, he himself says that it's exclusive. So it's no longer a single way if all of this other stuff. I didn't even elaborate. I just put that verse. Ten minutes later, he sent me a message back and said, you had me at point three. I said, well, what about point one and two? Seriously, those took like two hours to craft. It was beautiful. There's gonna be movies made about this. I don't remember what I put, but it was great. He says, no, Jesus said it, that's all I needed. And I believe what he said. That verse was all I needed. And I had to step back. It was like the Lord gently tapping me on the shoulder early in my ministry, said, you don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have all this knowledge and insight and cultural nuances weaving it together. You don't even have to wear skinny dreams to make this message come across. All you have to do is trust in my word. There is something about God's word that penetrates all of these different environments in people's hearts. Never underestimate the power of God's word. When he says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that's exactly what he means. And we have faith in that because of his word. God's word carries that power and the fullness of the power of God is tied up there. There's one other thing. I I don't want to deviate from God's word, but I want to give you this little illustration also to encourage you in the truth of God's word. There was a a gentleman who wrote, he was a mathematician named Peter Stoner years ago. He was a mathematician, a a, um, chairman of mathematics and astronomy. So you know what kind of guy he is at a university. And he wrote a book. And he had other... Professors from other um, universities speak into this, and he, he was showing his math, his statistics, and it's been cited in some other books since then. But what he was looking at is, what is the statistical likelihood of Jesus fulfilling the, the prophetic things in the Old Testament that are speaking to the Messiah, the Christ. What is the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling what was written about him in the Old Testament? So he worked through that and it's one of those numbers things that I I can't quite figure it out. So let me put it in context for you. We're going to work there because it's easier to understand when we see it in motion. So here's here's a statistic for you. We're going to get started. The first statistic. Here are the odds of being struck by lightning. It's 1 in 15,300. There's an extra zero on that, but it's 15,300. So you have a chance of 15,300 in one chance of getting hit by lightning. Unlikely. Has anybody in here been hit by lightning? Show of hands. Okay, so nobody. We're safe. We have a lot of thunderstorms here. I want to know who not to stand by. Lightning, 1 in 15,300. What's the likelihood of somebody getting hit twice by lightning? Well, one in nine million. That is a pretty statistical unlikely case of happening. Here's one that I threw in after that. Here's the likelihood of winning the Powerball lottery. One in 292 million. You are more likely to get hit by lightning twice in your lifetime than you are to win this. The funny thing, after the first service, there was someone who came up and said, I got struck by lightning twice. And the person next to me asked me if I could buy their Powerball ticket. And I said, that's not what I was wanting to hear. <laughs> but you never know what you encounter in a church. So this is the likelihood of the Powerball. What's the likelihood of you getting hit by lightning seven times? Like, Elliot, you were fascinated with lightning, evidently. I found it shocking. Here's the point. Seven times, this is... 10 to the 28th power. That's 10 with 28 zeros. I don't even know what this number is. I put it up there. It's, it is an unlikely event that you get hit by lightning seven times. Now, here's the statistic for you to take home. This is where Peter Stoner he looked at 48 prophecies throughout the Old Testament. These are prophecies such as what's the likelihood of, of Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of that Messiah, that Christ being born in Bethlehem, for an example. So he's taking these 48 prophecies of things that are very specific to the Messiah, the Christ, fulfilled in Jesus. What is the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling every one of these things? And in the order in which they were written. So he came to this in all of his work, he says it's 1 to 10 in the 157. 157 zeros. Let's go to the next one here. That's the number. I don't know what that is. It's big, and it's unlikely, and frankly, it's impossible. The fact that Jesus did do this shows us the power of God's word. For thousands of years, his coming has been predicted through the prophecies of old. At least in 48 of them that we read that he was able to work through statistically that this is the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling the word of God in that way. And you know what? He did it. God has a way through his word to accomplish things that we think are impossible, There are things that we look around and say, God can't do this. There's not enough. I don't know how this will ever change. I don't know that I will ever escape this. This is my lot in life. There is no hope. There is no future. There is nothing for me yet. But people of God, God is in the business of doing the impossible. Just ask Jesus as he fulfilled these 48 prophecies. How many more miracles that were impossible that he did later? How many more millions of lives can testify to the truth of God's word changing their world? God is in the impossible business. When things look bleak and you brought with you the anxiety and the fear and the wonder and all of this, how is God ever going to use me? How is this ever going to change? You are in miracle territory. Never underestimate the power of God's word. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have a seminary education. You don't have to have any of that. All you have to do is cling to the promise of God because he fulfills it every single time. And it doesn't take a mathematician to figure that out. When you cling to him in faith, God's word is power. So he's given us God's process. He's working in every detail through you, through people thousands of years ago to bring the message to you right here, right now. He's giving us his word that is his power, the full strength of the right arm of God, that strength that moves with us saying, here is this faith, believe in me, call on my name and you will be saved. Don't underestimate the power of God's word. And Paul continues in verse 18. And he continues with this kind of argument. He says, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah was so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who do not ask for me. So he's making that other, that third argument, if you will. If you call on my name, you will be saved. And and they are saying, look, I haven't heard. He's saying, yes, you have. You have heard because the prophets have come and spoke. He just quotes both Moses and Isaiah, people that they are familiar with, that have heralded the word of God. They have spoken this. You have heard God's word. But here's what he's saying. This is a bonus He is saying, if you watch in verse nine, he says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. He's speaking to the Jews. They have this uncanny knowledge of God. He's revealed himself, but the Christians have multiplied. They've gone all over the world. The work of Christ has gone everywhere and you're gonna be jealous. This foolish nation, they haven't been born into the genealogy of Abraham, but yet they are going to take this message and receive the gift of grace and you're gonna be angry about it. They didn't seek, but they found all of this. When we reject the word of God, you see what he's saying here. There's this anger and jealousy and frustration. Outside of receiving God's word in our life, there's always frustration. If you find yourself absolutely frustrated with things in life, that there are these challenges that make you so angry and frustrated, that may be a good flag to run up the flagpole and say, maybe... I'm not trusting God here. And maybe that is an outpouring of that. He's reminding them, you have willfully rejected that. He's given us God's process that he's been doing for thousands of years. He's given the full power of God through his word. And now he says something in verse 21 that is an encouragement to every man, woman, and child that has ever set foot on the earth. He says of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. What he is saying here is that even though this this Jewish nation they have come this can really even apply to you. He's speaking to the Jews because they have a knowledge of God's word. They have seen and heard the prophets. They know what God is asking of them, but they refuse. They are the perfect example of this disobedient and contrary nature that we possess. And he's saying, what does he do? What is God's response to people who are disobedient and contrary? All day long, I hold my hands out for them. All day long. You go try that at home. There's your homework. How long will you last holding your hands out? God does it all day long. God never gives up. When he makes this statement that all who call on me will be saved, he's coming back, Paul's saying, you may be thinking, no, 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 he can't do this with me. I have sinned too much, I have rebelled too far, I have done things that I can't be forgiven, God won't work with me, and he's saying all day long I have held my hands out to a people that have been absolutely rebellious in every possible way, and if I am holding my hands out to them, I sure will do it for you. God never gives up. The statement, if you call on me, you will be saved, is one that God never gives up on. We see God's process. He's been moving in lives for thousands of years to bring that to your life, to declare it true to you. He's giving you the words of God to give the power to make it so. He has revealed his strength and his power and he reminds us that he does not give up on that promise. I don't know what you've brought with you in this room or joined us online. You may have brought with you something so heavy, nobody knows about it but you. Maybe a lot of people know about it. All that anxiety and fear has just exploded out of your life. You are so uncertain and so unsteady. How is this ever going to work out? How is God going to work with me? I long for a day that I can walk with God and I call on him and he is near. I long for his wisdom in this, in his peace, in his grace, in his mercy. I want God in my life, and I want that fullness of him in the full power. I want that. And today is the day that God brought you here to Southcliffe to invite you to do exactly that. He's made a declaration that cannot be misunderstood. God's been working for thousands of years to make it happen. He's given us his word to reinforce it and he reminds us that no matter what you've brought here, he does not give up. So the question for us today, I believe that there's two kinds of people here. There's one kind of people who maybe you've been to church all your life, maybe this is the first time and you hate organized religion. I know the kind, don't worry. But what he is doing, he's bringing you here and saying, if you want that, try me. If you call on my name, you will be saved. And today, he's calling you to do exactly that. It's no accident that you're here. He brought you here for that. If you're online, there is a web host that's ready for you. you. You're not oblivious to this. You've heard the truth. God's word can travel all over the world. You chat with that web host, but you do not give this chance away. The rest of us in the room and online, we may have put our faith in Jesus, but we have to be reminded that he has invited us to live in that full power. When I call on him, he will save me. In the midst of all the anxiety that I bring here, and I wonder how is this going to work out for me, you have to remind yourself you're in miracle territory. And the power of God's word has spoken to you. The question is... Will you lay it before the Lord and cling to this promise? So today what I'm going to ask, we're going to sing a simple song. And I'm going to ask that you stand with me and you sing. But make this your heart prayer. If you need the steps to come pray, that's great. If I can help in some way, I'll be here. There'll be another minister come up if I'm busy. But this is the time that we do business with God. He says, if you call on my name, you will be saved. There is no doubt. Everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com. To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.